Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Just wanted to start with a brief disclaimer. Um, you may notice I've got my midnight radio voice on this morning. Um, it's, it's not because I have COVID, it's because we were at the leaders retreat yesterday, there was no microphone. And so I woke up this morning, I was, mm-hmm. oh, oh no, <laughs> what's going on? So I, I feel like I've been at a concert last night and this morning my voice is just a little bit strained. So I'm gonna try and be a little bit more careful and, and thoughtful with this because we've got another, another service after this as well. So I've got to save my voice for that one too. So yeah, so, so if I'm speaking a little bit more deeply into the mic, don't worry, I'm not being weird. That's just trying to save my voice this morning. Friends, we start a exciting new preaching series. Who's excited about the epistles? Oh, wow, that's great. I was asking that sarcastically to some degree because I bet not many people have heard preaching on the epistles. It's not one of the, the big books that, you know, people bang out and, and hear a lot about. Um, but as I was going through it, I was reading this and I was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of shadows of what's been happening right here in our little community at Pimpama. You see, to give you some background, John, and we're, we're not exactly sure who this John is, whether it's John the Evangelist, the one who wrote the Gospel of John, or whether it's John the Elder, another one of the disciples of Jesus. There were lots of Johns walking around back then. And um, we're not exactly sure who it is, but what we do know, what we do know is that whoever it was, he had a copy of John's Gospel because he draws many of the same parallels from the Gospel, including the first opening chapter. So isn't that interesting? I like to think, and I'm not a theologian or anything like that, but I like to think that it is John the Evangelist and that maybe what we're reading here is his first draft, which eventually becomes my favorite gospel, the Gospel of John, the fourth gospel. And what I saw here is that John was leading a group of small churches, probably in Turkey, near Ephesus. And people there were starting to get very confused. They were saying, if Jesus is coming back, where is he? Where is he? And I hear that in our community all the time. Where is Jesus? We've got war in Europe. We've got insurgency in Southern Africa. Where is Jesus? We've got COVID. We've got social isolation. Where is Jesus? And I want to tell you this, friends. That is a valid question. We should be asking where Jesus is. Because do you know what it means when society asks, where is Jesus? It means they're looking for him. I want you to hear the goodness in that question. A question that may be asked sarcastically, that may be asked with a certain degree of rancor and anger. But I want you to hear the goodness of what can be brought in that. Because let me tell you where Jesus is. Jesus is in the love that we show and share in the community. So when people ask that question and they say, where is Jesus? I say, look at the lifeline bins. I'd say, look at the overflowing op shops with people giving stuff. Look at the way how our community responded to floods and fires and crises. I say there. There is where we see Jesus in a very simple way. As many of you are aware, 
my wife and I, we spend our week in aged care centers on the southern Gold Coast. I want to tell you that we see Jesus in those spaces as well. The folks who may not have the capacity to go out or even go to church anymore, but who pray for their neighbors and the staff and and even those that maybe haven't been that nice to them in the past. And yet they're there showing Jesus' love, his compassion in those spaces, in those precious spaces. This church, this, sorry, this letter of John's reminds me of the fact that we also live in a world that is often hostile to the Christian church, hostile to the Christian philosophy and the Christian message. And that doesn't worry me. That doesn't scare me. Because I don't want to live in a world where everybody just accepts it and thinks, oh yeah, whatever. This church is the same as that church is the same as that church. No, I am challenged by this and I want you to be too because when we are living in a world that questions and asks we have the ability to answer and one of the great things about this book is it talks a lot about light and dark so dear friends who do you want to be light or dark absolutely we want to be the light in the places where it is darkest And as John said in the beginning of his epistle, even the smallest light will cause the darkness to flee. Even the smallest light. So friends, as we journey through this over the next three weeks, I invite you to embrace acts of light. I invite you to see God at work in places maybe you didn't once see. I invite you to hear these questions from the community and maybe, maybe be ready to respond, not with apologetics, not with good Christian witness and understanding of the Bible, but with love, a response in light. So with that, I invite you to bow your heads with me as we look at this passage very briefly. Father, bless us with an understanding of your word. May we hear your voice and connect and be with you in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm jumping ahead. Our reading came from the second chapter, but in the first chapter, we have this bookmark. John, the, the epistle writer, that's going to be a really hard thing for me to say over the next three weeks, so I'm going to have to practice that one. But John, the epistler, he would preface his bookmarks with the words, this is the message. Do you know the word angel in English? You know this word? What is it? When you think of it, you think of this, this guy, isn't it? But it actually means messenger. That word is what he uses here. So this is an angelic message I want to give you. And like with us, it causes us to sit up and go, ooh, Something important is happening here. He wants to highlight that for us. So he says in 1 John 1 verses 5 and 6, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
I really struggled with this word fellowship when I was first learning English. I didn't understand it. What is, what is a fellow? You know, it's a chap. Is that, yeah? A dude, a guy. <laughs> so fellowship is when two guys get together and hang out. Is that, is that what it's meant? No, it isn't. It's something much more deeper than that. In fact, we have a more contemporary word for this, and that word is community. Community. You see, this is actually meant to be koinonia in the original language. And koinonia means just that, that which we have in common. Common unity. Everybody say that? Common unity. Yes. So it's what we have in common. And I love that phrase because it reminds me of the fact that we can look at another person, a person who is vastly different from us, Maybe they're from another culture, from a different background, from a different part of Australia or a different ideology. And we can still find common ground, common unity. And this this is one of the big things, one of the big themes of this passage. Because, of course, we have Gentiles and Jews and John is preaching to both of them equally. He's not saying to the Jews, hey, you guys should know your scripture. Come on, do better than this. No. And he's not saying to the Gentiles, Gentiles, sorry, they're there. It's fine. We're just going to introduce you nice and slowly to this. No, he doesn't do that. He preaches the same message to each of them. Because that message is just as impactful to the one who is growing and learning and and gaining that understanding as to the one who is meant to have that word refreshed and replenished in them. And so this is really important because, friends, we have those people in our community right now. We have those two groups. Now, I want want you to do something for me. I, I want you to look to your left. Look to your right. Now, did you see someone you hate? I really hope not. (laughs) Did you see someone you love? Yes. See, isn't that what community is about? Maybe you didn't love them with that intimate English understanding of the word love. But perhaps you love them more as a brother or sister in Christ. Perhaps you love them more as a family member or as a friend. This is one of the beauties of the Christian community, that we have intimacy without it being weird. (laughs) So this koinonia is that opportunity that we have to share with someone something in common. And for those of us who are here and understand and know the love of God, it is that love. Paul says we love because he loved us first. And so we need to recognize that the koinonia, the community that we share, it's not just two dudes hanging out. You you see that. We were at Burley yesterday. You see that at Burley all the time. No, it's not that. What do they have in common? They like to share a beer and a surf. Um, That's it. But what I'm talking about here is what we can have in common, which is the love of God that not only um, is experienced here when we're sitting on a Sunday morning, but also when we go from this place, whether it's at, at uh, Pimpama City Cafe, 
And yes, we do need to speak with the owner because we are kind of taking over the place. Um, or whether it's with the op shop or any of the other things that we can do, whether we do it as a church or as individuals, that we share God's love. Let that be our koinonia. And what I love here is that John is telling us to have koinonia with whom? With God. Had you ever thought about that? Like, if fellowship is two dudes hanging out having a beer, what a wonderful image of the kind of relationship we should have with God. A relaxed one. One where we're sitting back and we're engaging with Him. In the book of Acts, we see koinonia in a different way. And I think this one is a little bit easier for us to understand. And hopefully it will help us broaden our definition so that we can look at koinonia, community with Christ. In the book of Acts, after Peter gets up and preaches the message, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Gee, wouldn't that be lovely? (laughs) Can you imagine what that would be like? Wow. Our water bill would skyrocket. Um, but (laughs) But I love this. And our Bible translators decided to put a big subheading to separate these two points. But, but no, 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 no. I'm not suggesting you go and write on your Bible and scrap it out. But I don't like that subheading being there. Because for me, these two things are connected. 3,000 were baptized and added to that number that day. They, the 3,000, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and koinonia community to the breaking of bread as we're going to do this morning and to prayer Luke the author of this book he's a very good Greek thinker Greek thinkers put things in order priorities first second last he does this intentionally He wants us to understand that the first thing that this early church did was community. Was engage with one another on common ground. On sharing that love, that compassion. And from that, the outflowing of that was the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I'm not even sure that the breaking of bread here was Holy Communion. It may have been that they just shared meals. Why not? It's very, very common, especially in that part of the world, that churches will gather together and their primary thing that they're doing is just sharing a meal. And some of us may think about that and go, well, but you know, don't you have food at home? Yes, they do. But in those cultures, in those contexts, that is one of the ways of declaring, demonstrating Community, And I ask you, dear friends, what, what's one of the ways that we can do that? Uh, I think our folks have caught on to this great idea with the, with the cafe because very clearly that is community. That is building community. And when we say that we're getting more and more numbers in that cafe, I, I've, I've been a couple of times when I haven't been able to go down to the aged care centers. And there's a lot of people from outside of our congregation who come and join that community. So they're doing it. They're doing exactly what we see here. But those relationships are lateral with other human beings on the same plane. John, who 
probably experienced this firsthand, is asking us, nay, challenging us to take our koinonia, our community, to a new level. So we have our lateral relationships, but he wants us to include God in this. I find this very challenging. I don't know if you do. I find this very, very challenging. Because in Australia, our spirituality is something that is deeply personal, isn't it? It's something that is very intimate, that we don't, we don't really make a big deal about it. What is it that they say? No talking about politics. See, there you go. There you go. So there's something in our society, in our culture, that's already saying, hey, I don't really want to include God in my koinonia. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you walk around with a Bible and anybody who talks funny about God, you smack them over the head with it. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm suggesting instead that we invite Christ to be part of our community in our everyday walking in the light. John says, as he is in the light, we can have fellowship, koinonia with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us all from sin. Now, I said to you previously that a lot of preaching is telling you stuff you already know. And that's true. A lot of preaching is telling you about the Christ whom you already experience and live in your everyday. I'm just encouraging you to do it shamelessly, openly. You know how to do this, people of God. We know how to express love. We do it with our family, with our kids, with our pets. It's a stretch sometimes to do it with a stranger, isn't it? It's a stretch sometimes to love the unlovely. But that's what John is encouraging us to do. However, he's not asking us to do it of our own strength and our own ability. And that's what I love about this. Because when Christ is in that community, in that space with you, it's Christ's love you love with. And as I've encouraged a few of our members who have felt the pain of rejection in sharing Christ's love, it's Christ's love they're rejecting, not us. That's really important for us to remember. Because in our society, religion, faith is a deeply personal thing, yes. But we still respect those who live with integrity to their faith, do we not? We still respect those who stand by what they say and who they are in these senses. Sorry, I seem to have gone backwards. So... In John, he says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Normally, I would spend some time elaborating on this and unpacking this for you. Who is a brother and sister? Who is it that you love and who is it that you hate? But I want to tell you that little simple exercise we did before. And yes, I saw some of you were looking at the wall. Okay. <laughs> But that little exercise where I asked you to look left and look right and not find someone you hate, that is the heart of this. It's actually really 
really hard to hate. But it's equally hard to love. And we need to ask ourselves, how can we love, not with that human love, but with the love that brings the light, the light of Christ? I normally look at another passage of Scripture from time to time, a nice theologian that's summarized these ideas for us to give you a a nice, good, clean definition to walk away and go home with. But, and it wasn't that I couldn't find passages. I couldn't get past what John actually says here. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, and yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. That light is in you. Maybe you don't see it. Maybe it doesn't shine as bright as it could. But the Christ who loved you, gave his life for you, that light is in you. It's in our community. It's in our family. It's among our neighbors, our friends who are doing God's work in various and different ways through our Pimpama and Ormo. We experienced a little bit of it yesterday. Burley Village Uniting Church opened their doors for us and they allowed us to come in and use their space as if it were our own. And you know what that elicited in us? We hung around for a good half an hour, was it? Half an hour, 40 minutes, if on afterwards, cleaning. <laughs> We wanted to make sure the place was left really nice for them because we knew that at 10 o'clock this morning, they were going to be gathering for worship. We loved them without having ever known them, without having ever seen them. We felt that compulsion because they opened the door for us and accepted us. And we thought, gee, wow, wouldn't it be lovely if they came tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And instead of finding crumbs and subway all over the place, they found the place clean, ready for worship. For that 40 minutes or so, that house of the Lord was our house too. And this, this is your house. This is here for you. God doesn't need a building to inhabit. God lives in the hearts and the love of us all. But this here, This is for us. And for me, it's an ark. It's a vessel to carry God's love, house it. So that when we're out in the world and we're experiencing that pain and that rejection and that difficulty, you've got a safe place you can come back to and know that here there is love. Amen? Remember these words. The truth of God's love is seen in him and in you. And that darkness that we've experienced, that is passing. Let us be the true light that is already shining. Let's pray. Father, you are love. And your love flows out of your people who love you. We ask that your Holy Spirit continue to move among us. 
Continue to lead us and guide us. Continue to equip us to love in the way in which we are meant to love. And open up doors and opportunities for us to prove that love to those who are around us. I praise you, Father God, that when we look to the left and to the right, we don't see someone we hate. That you've already begun a community here that is bound together by the love that you've poured out through your son, Jesus Christ, on that cross. And that in a moment, we're going to be partaking of one more expression of that love. So we thank you for this moment we share in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.